This morning, as we get going, I want to start with a text from 1 Corinthians. Actually, no, let's stop. Strike that, reverse it. Um, the next couple of weeks are going to be a little bit different. We're going to be talking about something I've actually been studying. So I'm showing you kind of, hey, Pat. Oh, I see you. Lots of people here today. Pat's here. Bontrager's are here. We're getting sidetracked. I've been thinking a lot about wisdom, and so we're going to talk about wisdom today and how it plugs in and how to make sense of it. Um, next week, I will be uh, going to Rock Lake Christian Assembly, where I'll be teaching teenagers about Galatians for five days. So you might get wisdom next week. You might get Galatians next week. You might get something totally off the wall next week. I don't know. After that, we're going to move into a series uh, talking about baptism, which I'm very, very excited about. I've been working on with another minister friend of mine, and so we'll be talking a little bit about that. So that's just kind of what's going to be going in terms of our teaching time over the next several uh, Sundays. This morning, we're going to start with 1 Corinthians, though. And I think this is going to lead us into this conversation quite well. 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 20. Our main text today will be Proverbs 3. If you want to find that in your Bible, as you can. If you didn't bring a Bible, it's okay. Just grab one of these. It's on page 528. That's exactly where I'll be if you want to grab it and follow along. But 1 Corinthians says this. Let no one deceive himself or herself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of the world is folly to God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise and that they are futile. This is an interesting verse. One of, the, one of the things that brought this verse to my attention actually was an article I was reading um, by an atheist in which he was arguing and describing that this verse being one of the most dangerous verses in all of, uh, of Scripture. Because you can see here quite clearly that what is, the, what is Paul advocating to these Christians who live in a town in a city called Corinth. And in that town, in that city, they value knowledge. They value wisdom. They value learning. Coming up with new things and engaging new thoughts. Is new TED Talk every day. Like that's what they're looking for. And so he says to the people, the Christians who live in that culture, in that place, he says, listen, let me give you some advice. Become a fool. And the atheist uh, who I was reading uh, says, quite rightly, I think, this is one of the most dangerous uh, verses in the Bible. And I love it when atheists get it right. He's right. So we're going to talk about that. There's a phrase here that we see, um, if anyone be wise in this age. There's there's, there's words that are thrown around in Scripture, age, age. worldly or worldly wise things like that this age this time flesh foolishness and all of these are linked to non-godly ways of thinking so you recall perhaps james saying if you're a friend with the world you're a what to god an enemy to god some of you guys remember that jesus says listen if you were of the world the world would love you but as it is the world what hates you some of you guys remember that as well So the world is a bad thing. And yet when God first created the world, after everything had been done, he steps back and he looks at it. What does he say it is? Very good. So is the world very good or does it want us to die? Like which one is it, right? 
The Bible uses these metaphors to draw about a strong juxtaposition. It's not trying to say that the world in and of itself, creation, is bad or that human bodies are bad. Rather, the Bible is depicting a time in which God will recreate the earth, that all things, both in heaven and in earth and under the earth, will declare the glory of God. We will have new, resurrected, physical bodies. We will sit at the wedding feast of the Lamb, and we will eat food with Abraham, right? There's something very good. I like that. Yes, we eat food with Abraham. And I don't know what that'll be, but it'll probably be awesome. No, I've had Jewish food. It's not good, actually. Um, I got lost thinking about food all of a sudden. <laughs> That's what you all are supposed to be doing, not me. <laughs> all right. So uh, at the same time, the Bible juxtaposes a separate way, a godly way of living, heaven, uh, new creation, spirit, wise rather than foolish. Like these things are being driven apart to, to demonstrate that there is a way of being and living in the world that reflects the priorities of this time, this space, this culture. And there are ways of living in the world that respect and identify and find at their core the ways in, of God. The best way I can think to draw out this description is being as nerdy as I can possibly be, and that is to ask the question, how many of you are Star Trek fans out there? There you go. Who can tell me what this is? Quark? He's a Ferengi? This is going to matter. Just, just hold on, all right? Just hang on. I know you're thinking, some of you, Paul, I can see Paul, right? I'm not looking at him because he's in like Star Trek, and so we're just, these are things we have to live with. All of Ferengi culture is built around one priority, and that priority is profit, making money. And so they have a book of wisdom, their own proverbs, if you will, and they are called the rules of acquisition. And I love them. They're brilliant. Are you ready? First rule of acquisition, once you have their money, never give it back. Which only confirms what we already knew, that all customer service reps are actually Ferengi, right? Can I get a witness? Twelve. Anything worth selling is worth selling twice. This is Tara Kemp's M.O., right? <laughs> Inside joke. Thirty-three. Never hurts to suck up to the boss, which is a great piece of advice. Watch Star Trek. One twenty-five. <laughs> A lie isn't a lie until someone knows the truth. So, uh, obviously, uh, whoever was writing the rules of acquisition for Star Trek was paying very close attention to politicians. 211. Employer, employees are the rungs on the ladder of success. Don't hesitate to step on them. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Bueller? Yeah. Anybody? Yeah. And my favorite, this is my favorite, it's an unwritten rule which I wrote down, it's, but nevertheless, an unwritten rule, when no appropriate rule applies, make one up. <laughs> now as I read through these, this is just being a Star Trek, I was thinking about Proverbs, I was thinking about wisdom, I was thinking about how God is describing and working through Proverbs and through Christ to draw us to understand that his way of being in the world is utterly different than our normal experience of our culture and their way of their way of looking and thinking about the world and this draws us together because all of these I feel like are quite American in many many ways 
right? But here is drawing. There's a perspective here is wisdom. We're drawing on that wisdom to learn how to live and be in the world. And how to live and be in the world might be one of the most important conversations we have. Because how many of you are dreading going to work tomorrow because your boss is an idiot? We aren't filming this. So if you raise your hand, I won't tell. No, I'm just kidding. But, but you understand the fact of bad management, bad things going on. And so what we need is we need wisdom. And the Bible is driving forward to give us wisdom. And so in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1, we are told this. We are told to listen. My son, do not forget my teachings, but let your heart... Keep my commandment for length of days and years of life and peace will be added to you. Doesn't that sound like good news? Now everyone is arguing about this particular issue. We are all asking the question, the same question. How is it that we live life to its fullest. How do we live the kind of best life? How does that happen? And here scripture is laying it out. I want to give you some wisdom I want to give you some insight. I want to promise something. But I want you to notice the conflation of three things. The first thing is this, that there is teaching. You have to learn. You have to learn. And the central problem of all of our Christian life is that you are constantly learning. Every single day you step into the car and you listen to music or you turn on the news or, or you talk to your friends. You're constantly being given stories and songs and thoughts and ideas. And, and all of that is building up a body of knowledge so that we know how to live and move and act like Americans. Like people who, who know how to be smart in this place and in this time. And the Bible is pulling you out of that and saying, I have something that is deeper and better, more meaningful and true. Because it is not only built on wisdom, but it's built on the wisdom of the one who made all of creation. And that's a horse of a different color. It's like sitting down with a person who programmed your video game while you're playing. It's like sitting down with a person who won the, 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 the Super Bowl to get information on how to do your best kind of coaching. It's like inviting Joanna Gaines to come into your house, and she shows you exactly where to put that shiplap. And I don't know what any of that means, but I'm told it means something to somebody. <laughs> so you are stepping into the wisdom of the one who made the universe. And he's offering you something. And he begins with this. Learn something, which means work. You're going to have to open your Bible. It will not happen any other way. And if at any point you say to yourself, well, you know, just kind of go along. Jordan will give it to me. I won't, right? I can't. The most powerful thing you can do is open up your scriptures and do not forget his teachings. But we also hear this other unpleasant word, commandments. Because you can't just learn it. You can't just let it sit in your brain and sit there. And It's no good to face God on judgment day and God says, well, this is true and this is true. I agree with this, this, and this. And yet you lived your life in complete opposition to those things, right? It is teaching. It is commandment. All of these bring this blessed word, this Hebrew word, this word shalom, peace, a wholeness of life and being. But these themselves are rooted in something even deeper than all of that. These are very generic. And he gets more specific next. He says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them upon the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor in the sight of God and men. Trust in the Lord 
with all of your heart. Remember the word heart doesn't just mean emotions, but also will, decision-making power. Trust in the Lord with all of your being and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. More good news. We want straight paths. It sounds very Jesus-y, right? Straight and narrow paths. I hope that I've spent enough time harping on this little phrase right here, steadfast love, that you might remember, some of you who have been here for a while, the Hebrew word that sits behind this English translation. If you're reading in your Old Testament and you run into everlasting love or steadfast love, this is almost always the word chesed, which sits behind it. And that word is the word that we use to describe the relationship between God and his people. A relationship that is used in terms of family, like affection that we have, love for our family. And in political terms, like allegiance, like you might have for your country or your king or a president or something like that, right? All of those are wrapped up in this word. So he says, let not chesed, let not your covenant relationship with God be abandoned. So he's rooting both the teaching, the commandments, and the hope for peace, the wisdom that we're going to achieve or gain. He roots it way back, not here in generic wisdom, but all the way back in God speaking to Moses and Moses speaking to the people. And if you remember Moses speaking to the people, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, you'll hear a lot of corollaries, a lot of playback, where Proverbs is leaning back into the words of the law, saying you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words I've commanded shall be on your heart or written on your heart. Teach them to your children. Talk of them when you sit down, when you're on the way, when you lie down, when you get up in the morning. They shall be bound, right? Bind them as a sign on your hand, right? You see these connections that are happening back and forth where the author of Proverbs is not saying, I just have some wisdom to give you. I have some good advice. He says, no, I need you to listen and root yourself in your relationship with God's people and with God himself because with that backdrop to it, you can be the kind of person who is faithful and true, able to hear the wisdom of God and keep it, live it out so that you can have a life of peace and fullness and completion. And more than that, even that we might stand before God in the day of judgment and he might say to us that thing that we most desperately long to hear. Well done. Well done. Well done. So there's a danger here because we are an incurably rebellious people. Can I tell you a funny story? Well, it's funny to me. You don't have to laugh. You can pity me and laugh. That's fine too. I always take pity laughs. We're, uh, argue- I'm listening to uh, Emery and Laura argue upstairs. We have a bi-level, so it's kind of like, and they're up here arguing. We're all trying to get out of the house, so of course it's the perfect time to argue with a nine-year-old going on 16, right? And they are arguing up there, and Laura's trying to correct a mistake that she's making, but she's not listening because she's nine going on 16, right? So she's, they're arguing together up there, and I'm listening to the Lord. She's like, no, you do it this way because, you know, it's going to get all over the place, and everybody's going to know what happened, and you look stupid, and she's trying to help you. Well, you might not have said that, but that's, I'm dad, so dads say look stupid. Moms might not. They have better ways of saying things. Dads, you know how we are. Anyway, doesn't matter. So I pipe in because dad has to pipe in, right? And I shout up the stairs, you know, like, hey, listen, like, we've gone through this before. We've made these mistakes. Your mommy, and especially your daddy, has done a lot of dumb things, and we are trying to help you. 
And Laura begins to reiterate that too. Like, listen, we've gone through this before. I I want to preserve your life. I want to give you all of my mistakes so that you don't make them. And you have to trust. You have to trust that we've gone through this and done it before. And Emery comes down the stairs and she says, clear as day, well, I guess I just don't trust that. And I said, of course you don't. You're nine. Nine Nine-year-olds are idiots, right? This is, this is... Proverbs says folly is bound up in the heart of a child, right? Children don't know the right way, but yet they're convinced they know the right, right way. Are you very different? Because no. <laughs> I was thinking as Emery was going down the stairs, I was like, oh, that's totally me and Jesus all the time, right? <laughs> all the time. We make that same, we have the same sort of attitude. God says, I've got wisdom for you. I want to lead you, I want to guide you, I want to help you make mistakes. I'm like, I'm busy, Netflix is on, Proverbs can wait, right? There are things to be done, stranger things to be done, particularly. (laughs) Nevertheless, the scripture tries to get at us. It tries to wake us up. It tries to say things like, listen, be not wise in your own eyes, the next verse says, but fear the Lord. This is the root of all wisdom, is to recognize that relationship that we have with God, that covenantal relationship, which can bring about fear if we have this, the, 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 the life that rejects the wisdom of God, if we're constantly living contrary to his ways, then the fear of the Lord is going to step in and help us to recognize the danger of judgment. Because we must turn away from evil. No evil is welcome in God's presence. The pure in heart shall see God, Jesus says. Like we have to be very aware of the fact that there is very much right and wrong, and these are weighted issues of eternal significance how will you know what is right and what is wrong how will you make that decision because my impression is that most of the time our culture is telling us kind of whatever your heart directs you to whatever your desires direct you to what are you interested in what are you passionate in how do you make money i mean we're asking all sorts of questions over here but no one is asking the question of what did god make the world to be What is the grain of the universe? Because every time you live in opposition to God's will, you cut against the grain of the universe God has made. But if you cut with the grain, it's a smooth cut. The the, the passage is, it's, 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 it's narrow, it's straight, you can walk it. That's what Proverbs is trying to do. That's what wisdom is all about. It is drawing us to healing. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. It's kind of a fun little thing here. This, this word right here, flesh. Some of your Bibles have, you'll notice when you're reading your Bible, there'll be like little uh, letters or numbers sometimes uh, superscripted at the top of a word, which tells you to look at the bottom, right, the footnotes. And some of your footnotes might note that this means right here either can be belly button or umbilical cord, right? So it will be healing to your literally umbilical cord and refreshment or sort of a new life to dead bones, Do you hear the play? All the way from the most young, all the way to those who are in the grave, the wisdom of God will bring life. Do you want that life? Do you want that life? Because if you want that life, that takes us all the way back up to verse 1, right? Back to the teaching, back to the commandments, back to the peace, back to verse 2, and our covenant relationship with God and our faithfulness to God. All of this undercuts all of the wisdom that you will come. If you don't have that solid foundation, no wisdom can be added after that. 
Or at least the wisdom that will be added will be imperfect at best. And we need that because there are times where wisdom contradicts itself. For instance, rule of acquisition 34. War is good for business. This is true. As uh, President Eisenhower warned us many, many years ago of the expansion of the military-industrial complex, we know this is true. But it also says, 35, says peace is good for business. That's also true, isn't it? I can imagine a world in which both of those are true. And yet the rule of acquisition here contradicts itself. Did you know the Bible contradicts itself too? That got some attention. Proverbs 26.4. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like, your, like him yourself on Facebook. <laughs> Important message there. Interesting, isn't it? Verse 5 says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Well, what am I doing now? Which one is it? Do I answer a fool according to his folly, or do I not answer a fool according to his folly? What am I supposed to do? I don't know. Do I say everything? Do I shut up? What do I do? Right? This is, in fact, one of those places where an atheist might go. Say, look at the Bible. Look, look at this Bible. Look at it contradicts itself. Right? Because there is something lacking in that. There's lacking that covenantal relationship with God. But you, being wise, being people, those of you who are Christians, full of the Spirit, you understand that there's something true about both of these things, isn't there? There are people who you will just slam your head against the wall for the rest of your life if you try to convince them. Stop bothering with those people. Not worth it. Let them be wrong. It's okay. Lots of people have been wrong. And yet, there's other times where we want to answer. When my daughter gives me foolishness, I want to correct her because there's an openness and a responsibility they have to try to say, okay, listen, like that's not smart. We don't want to make that decision, and this is why. And, here. and so you're able to correct. So both of these are true. It depends on the situation, and that's what wisdom is all about, isn't it? Wisdom is about the situation. But how are you going to know how to navigate the situation, this one or that one, if you don't have the spirit of the living God in you? If you don't have the covenant and the laws that have been built into you so that you're able to make the discernment? What my point is to you is that discernment is important, wisdom is important, but what founds all of them is our understanding of who God is. And once we have that bedrock down, we are able to build on top of that, and this is my plea to you, read Proverbs so you as people can build that bedrock. So your lives can shine like stars, so people can see that success, so they can see life and healing in you. And all of this is rooted in Jesus, isn't it? It's all rooted in Jesus. See, Proverbs here, we've already looked at how Proverbs is looking back at Torah, looking back at Moses. But when we get to John 1.1, suddenly we're in Jesus, looking back at Proverbs, looking back at Torah because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and everything was made through Him, and not one thing was made without Him that has been made. And yet we read in Proverbs that it is by wisdom that God has established all of creation. Everything He made, He made by wisdom. And what is the wisdom of God? The very first verse we looked at, the wisdom of God is Jesus Christ. So no longer are we just living with sort of disembodied proverbs that are attached to laws and commandments and life in the Old Testament, but we have personified wisdom that when you look at Jesus, you are looking at God's good way. So look at Jesus, understand wisdom, recognize God's rooted, covenanted relationship with you, his love for you, his desire to see you live a life of peace, a life of wholeness, 
a life that is rooted in all of this. And so here we'll draw together these three themes. We are seeing that all of wisdom, that good life that we read about there in Proverbs 3, 1, right? Hold on to my teachings, keep the commandments in my heart because they will be long days, long years, and lives of peace. That roots itself within the covenant, which roots itself in the Torah or the laws of God, but all of this is most definitely personified in Jesus Christ, who is our wisdom, our peace, our life. And so this brings us to a very nice conclusion as the band comes forward, a very obvious place for us to begin to ask some questions about your own life and to listen to the Spirit and what the Spirit might be saying to you because the Spirit is speaking to you because each and every one of you, God desires to see you live that same life. And so that begs that important question of what is your covenant with God? Have you made your covenant with God? Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you been washed in the waters of baptism? Have you joined yourself to the church and been living that life of faith? Those of you here today who are Christians, have you been keeping the law of God? Have you been listening to Jesus' teaching? Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Have we abandoned those commandments? Or are we holding them tight to us? Are we letting them teach us? Are we keeping them in our heart? Are we binding them around our neck? Are we writing them on our will? Because if we aren't, then we aren't walking in wisdom. We're walking in brokenness. And that is the antithesis of God's will for you and for all of us. Are we fixed on Jesus, not just the author and perfecter of our faith, not just the savior of our souls, not just the promise of eternal life, but the very wisdom of God who has created this universe and given you his wisdom that you might live well in it. Are your eyes fixed on the savior? If they are not, and you need someone to pray with you, if you want to come down front, I'll be down here. If that's a little awkward and after the service would be better, our elders will be right out that wall, right by the coffee. We have a room off to the side. They'd love to pray with you, speak with you. Make your decision today. I can't wait. Let's stand as we sing praise to our God.